Well, welcome to the situation report. It's a special situation report for December 8th, 2023. I didn't do a uh, either a write-up yesterday or a sit rep on Pearl Harbor. And part of it's part of it's due to the fact that I I made the assumption that there would be a ton of uh, more at least memorials to Pearl Harbor, and we we should never forget December seventh. We get away from the fact that there's conjecture around whether whether um, Roosevelt knew didn't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is 2,500 Americans died that day, and it it plunged us into World War II. We're rapidly approaching that moment again, and we're on the precipice of some kind of either false flag or kinetic. And the FBI is telling, has, has been telling us for months that all the threat indicators are there. We, we've heard that before, right? Just before 9-11. It goes without saying that we're due for another 9-11 attack. And it's I, I think we're just days away. I don't think we're months away. I don't think we're weeks away. I think we're days away. So well, I'll be joined by uh, Michael Yon in just a minute. We're going to do an update on the situation at the border, who's coming across, because he's got eyes on. So we'll get started in just a minute. Well, I'm uh, finally joined by Michael Yon. He is, <laughs> looks like he's in Honduras this week. Um, it's it, Latency has been, been a bit of an issue all day long, not just with this this conversation, but with others I've had all day. And uh, so if we get disconnected, just be patient. We'll uh, we'll get through the questions I have. Uh, Michael, thanks for jumping on. I, I know you're a really busy guy and I appreciate you carving out time for me and, and carving out time for my audience. Cause I know that, that since we lasted or the last time we did this, I was overwhelmed with questions. And I'll start with my audience really wants to know the, you know, what, what's your estimates for Chinese nationals coming across the border right now? And which nationalities do you think are the preponderance of those coming across? Uh, preponderance are definitely Venezuelans at this point. Um, but I would, you know, nobody knows how many of anybody is coming across. But based on what I'm physically seeing myself in places like Darien or sometimes I'm on the Texas border. But, you know, the borders. I've been all the way across the border this year from, San, you know, from uh, Boca Chica at SpaceX all the way to San Diego on the U.S. and Mexican sides often. Um, and last year the same and the year before, you know. So I, I'm kind of familiar with the border and I'm familiar with, you know, the Colombian and the Panamanian side. Now I'm in Honduras, was just checking out Guatemala and Belize for similar situations. And um, so I have some basis to to say things, but one of the things that, we do know is that we don't know. Uh, but I, I would say Chinese uh, per week right now could easily be five or 10,000. I say, and for, for instance, I would say 5,000 per week Chinese would be a very, very safe number. In fact, um, Anthony Rubin from Muckraker, somebody I took to Darien, hardworking man, and uh, he got kidnapped three weeks ago and uh, in Mexico, but he's released now. And, and, and in fact, he'll be on He'll be on uh, Alex Jones next Tuesday, and uh, but Anthony, he he got a document, two hundred pages long, in Mandarin. He got it translated to English. This he got it from somebody who'd passed through the Darien Gap when I took him down there. So so Anthony got it translated to English, and about a month 
and a half ago, he flew to this, this document tells Chinese how to get to Quito, Ecuador, how to get through, you know, what hotels to stay in numbers of people to call and that sort of thing. Um, and, and where to go in Colombia, how to get there, which buses, that sort of thing, how to get through the Darien gap, how to get from Darien up to Costa Rica, Nicaragua and Honduras where I'm at now, and then Guatemala. And finally, uh, through Mexico and into the United States and all the way up to, and you know, like getting driver's license and stuff like that. So Anthony got that document in Mandarin, 200 pages, translated it to English. And then he went down and followed some of the route, staying in the hotels and whatnot. Entire hotels right now in, for instance, in uh, Ecuador and um, Colombia are just filled with Chinese. And he's put that on his, on his, X or his website recently too at muckraker.com. So just muckraker.com, Anthony Rubin. And again, I mean, he's going to be on Alex Jones next Tuesday. I helped arrange that actually. So, I mean, he, he's doing such hard work. We need to get out there as much as we can. The numbers of Chinese are increasing dramatically. Uh, they, they are, they're going through Quito, Ecuador, Colombia, Darien, Gap and Panama and whatnot, but they also just fly straight to Mexico Many fly to Cancun and they just go on a vacation and then they go to the United States or they go to Mexico City, do the same thing, uh, or they go to Canada. Many are coming across the northern border every day and night. Some come up on the beaches of Florida. Others come in on CBP-1 apps, which is an app people fill out on their phones, and they'll fly in from places like Guatemala and, um, and, and Colombia straight to the United States. So if you look on Monkey Works, who you know tracks a lot of the, the, the flights, and he talks about tremendous numbers of swift air flights. They're flying all over the United States from all over the world. You know, and he tracks them with the uh, tracking data, which is available. And who knows what he misses? I mean, Monkey Works does a lot of important work, but he, he acknowledges like we do. We're, we're missing most of what happens, and we're seeing a tremendous amount. I would bet we've got, I'm just going to be directionally accurate, I would say we've got at least 600,000 coming in per month, just as a directionally accurate guess. Uh, I think that's highly defensible. I think anybody that's been in Border Patrol for, you know, 10 or 15 years, who's actually has their own internal networks in Border Patrol that work on the northern border and the southern border. And, you know, and, you know, as you have, if you've spent a career in an organization, you, you end up developing a lot of contacts, you know, the people that have been around a long time can see that this is, absolutely massive and the united states government is the main facilitator it's not mexican cartels mexican cartels do a lot but it's mainly the united states government and of course the chinese communist party has got their own pumping stations which just come right into our own network which is actually overseen by the iom which is a part of the uh, let me tell you about iom iom or oim <laughs> i was just gonna ask you is an international I was literally just going to ask you what the IOM stood for. So <laughs> you're all over it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a, and it, oh, yes. Yeah, International Organization for Migration. But it depends on your language. It, it, in Spanish, it gets, it's, you know, how Spanish reverses a couple of the words there. And, um, and um, but like IOM is basically the, the pump organization for the United Nations, right? So UNHCR and all the, so the the main funder of IOM on the on the pumping is the United States and the the uh, the chief of IOM, her name is Allison. I'm sorry, I've forgotten her last name, but she's been chief for about I don't know, let's say 
11 or 12 weeks now, something like that. She's American and she's bragged right as soon as she took uh, her position, you know, just recently she was bragging that the United States is the number one um, source of funding for IOM, which is the, is the main force putting people into Europe and the United States. It's not the Mexican cartels. The Mexican cartels act just like any other NGOs almost, right? They act like Red Cross or Catholic Charities or Pius or Norwegian uh, Refugee Castle or all this. The Mexican cartels do their drugs and whatnot and, 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 and a lot of human trafficking, but they are not the reason that those aliens are showing up into Mexico to begin with. That's something that a lot of people get wrong. They just get focused on the drug cartels like well if we just address the cartels the you know the 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 invasion will go away it's completely false i mean again that doesn't take into account the swift air flights that are coming in at least by the dozens per day and nobody and the, you know the united states government's not saying how many are actually coming in uh and that's not accounting for the ones who come across the canadian border or wash up on the florida beaches constantly so yeah uh, or the cbp1 apps so, right, you know what I'm saying? So it's not just the cartels are just basically giant taxi drivers, uh, and they work very closely with the United States government. My friend Todd Bensman's published that on numerous occasions, how they have Which a means, secret app. Really or they, means, It really means the CIA is, is working with the cartels to. to oh, 100%. Like it, when Anthony Rubin person. got kidnapped. Yeah, Anthony Rubin got kidnapped three weeks ago by the golf cartel near Matamoros at Playa Baghdad. I don't know how I got the name Playa Baghdad, Baghdad Beach, but back, the, the name came at least since the 1800s, so it has nothing to do with our more recent wars. But that's right by SpaceX, right? He got yeah. kidnapped right by SpaceX by the Golf Cartel, Cartel del Golfo, right, CDG. And um, in, in March, they kidnapped four Americans at the same place, killed two of them, wounded the other two. One was hiding under the bodies of his friends. And uh, when the Gulf Cartel leadership found out that some of their rogue underlings did it, they immediately grabbed the uh, Americans that were still alive. They turned over the bodies and the other the two injured Americans to Border Patrol on the at, at a Brownsville Matamoros Crossing there near SpaceX, and apologized immediately. Gulf Cartel apologized immediately to the families of the victims and to the U.S. government. Because it was messing up their business. You know, they've got a great relationship right there near SpaceX. And I say near SpaceX, when Anthony and his brother Josh got kidnapped three weeks ago, Tuesday, so like three and a half weeks ago now, uh, right by SpaceX, they could see Starship on the launch pad with the light flashing on the launch pad, right? Right at Boca Chica. So it's right, it's the Mexican border and SpaceX, they're, they're right next to it. So you got a, a lot of the human trafficking and drug trafficking that goes on in that CDG area, uh, Cartel del Golfo, literally goes right onto SpaceX property. Now, that doesn't mean SpaceX is involved. I, I have no reason to believe that at all, period. And I've been there probably 30 or 40 times in the last couple of years. Had, but, that, but that there is human trafficking and drug trafficking there, that's a done deal. That's a 100% fact. Border Patrol will tell you that. They, you know, they catch people there all the time. Uh, and that's where Anthony and his brother Josh got kidnapped three and a half weeks ago. But anyway, so they, they definitely uh, cooperate a lot. Now, back here in Honduras, where I'm at now, you know, uh, there's CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is working very hard eventually to, you know, take Taiwan, right? And one of the things that they're doing uh, with Taiwan is trying to knock out all their diplomatic and political relationships around the world. For instance, 
here in Honduras, the socialist government in charge now turned their back and suddenly just precipitously kicked out Taiwan. It was very embarrassing for uh, Hondurans. And, uh, and, and uh, now their, their embassy is almost empty. We were just at it yesterday or two days ago. No, yesterday. And um, the um, IOM, actually, IOM, the organization we just talked about right now is in at least two buildings in Tegucigalpa, the capital of, of Honduras. One of the buildings is shared by the Canadian consulate. You can't even make up this stuff. So the, so the, so the organization that's chiefly in charge of invading Canada and the United States is literally sharing right now as we speak a building with the Canadian consulate in Tegucigalpa, the capital of Honduras. Now, no, the Taiwan no of interest uh, there embassy all. is now. Yeah, exactly. And we've got all kinds of photos and video from there last week. And then yesterday we were back there again and we went to the um, Taiwan embassy, which is now closed from the Taiwanese and the signs are removed. But, but IOM is physically present. Like, I, I think I sent you a video yesterday of an IOM uh, you, you truck did. SUV coming out of the parking lot, un, the underground parking lot. And we talked, yeah, and we talked, that was yesterday, right? It was yesterday I sent it, right? These days run together. And so, the, <laughs> the you know, we talked with two of the IOM people there. They're like, yeah, we're taking over. The, so they're literally taking over the Taiwan embassy. Now, so when you look at Honduras, you know, the reason I'm here is because this is a main part of the route to the United States, right? So all these places where you see me go, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, you know, Panama, of course, Colombia, Netherlands. These are all or RGV Valley there in Texas, the Rio Grande Valley near Brownsville, right near SpaceX. That's all on Silk Road 2.0. If you look near SpaceX, you see Governor Abbott's constantly going down to McAllen. I think he was just there this week, right? Uh, he was just there again recently. I think it was this week. <laughs> so much going on. But, you know, Another when I was down there like, earlier this like year, and Abbott came and he spoke at some hotel. May have been the Hyatt. I went there. Oh, yeah. He's, There's three major points of entry in that general area. And there, it was a small business summit. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the point of entry is, right? Because they're. They have a Mesa Gateway here, which Katie Hobbs is in, and then she. Uh, there's a couple others in the state that she she routinely goes to, and there's no rhyme or reason for her to go there other than she's setting conditions for either more trafficking. And the other the other piece, which I think is, uh, I'm glad you touched on it, is the fact that IOM is an extension of the UN, which is funded by the U.S. government, which has created all the applications to allow these um, illegals to pick which cities they want to go to. And then cities compete for essentially benefits and thing entitlements for them to choose a city. It's, it's a very sophisticated logistics plan to move these people in. And they've, they've been refining it pretty much every month. And you said the last time we talked, which I want to make sure we're still on track. Well, I don't want to make sure it's still on track, but you made you made a comment about the Darien Gap being able to support up to a million people a month within a few months. Is that still true? Oh, yeah, clearly. I don't know that it's doing it yet. I don't think that it is yet. But can it do it? Absolutely. They're building two new camps there, uh, Costa Rica and the president of Panama. We're down in Darien at a place called Las Blancas. 
I lost you for a second. All right. And and interestingly, you there? Uh, yeah, they were they, the president, the president, the president of Costa Rica and the president of Panama were in the Darien Gap at a place called Las Blancas. It's a camp I've been to uh, probably 50 times. And they were there on October 6th, the day before the big October 7th attack in Israel. And they were talking about greatly expanding the Darien Gap by about triple, more than triple. Right. But yeah, about triple and a third more. Right. So uh, so that's what the they're doing there's two new camps being built there's uh they're going from about 60 buses to about 200 buses per day right uh and all kinds of other things not only do they have more buses now but the buses used to stop at the um near the costa rica panama border at, you know after the aliens come through the darien gap uh every day the ones who survive they will get on buses or they'll stay in a camp for a day or two depending on how long you know some stay longer but usually these days it's very fast so they'll get you know they'll get in there get a shower and all that get on a bus and then head up to um, costa rica and there they would have to usually wait like overnight and then they would go into costa rica and work their way to nicaraguan border but now with the controlled flow there's a program called controlled flow it's been working for years but they're making it much smoother now and actually controlled flow between costa rica and panama was actually envisioned and and negotiated by the United States between Panama and Costa Rica, but they but controlled flow now they you know they're adding buses and also now the aliens don't have to stop at the Panama Costa Rica border they just flow right through right so everything in addition to more camps that are bigger the camps are more efficient so your your the pipes are getting smoother and bigger and so the flows are increasing now dry season is just starting right now. In addition to the alien flows coming through Darien Gap, coming, let's say coming through Panama, for those who don't know about Darien Gap, but the, coming through Panama, uh, the, the Panama Canal itself is very dry right now. You can see tens of thousands of trees standing over the water on Gatun Lake. Most, a lot of those trees haven't seen any air since 1914, or very rarely, right? When, when the canal opened, they flooded Gatun Lake, of course, is the lake that, that supplies the water to make the locks work on Panama Canal. I go out there sometimes. I've been out there a couple times in the last two or three months. And there's just tens of thousands of old jungle trees that are now exposed to the air because of the the Gatun Lake is so dry. Now, of course, the World Economic Forum blames that on global warming because, you know, they blame everything on global warming and some clowns still believe it. But it's actually it was a very dry El Nino this year. And uh, and also the new the, the Neo Panamax Canal uses a lot more water than the original canal, and uh, which is also bringing salinity issues, which is a whole nother topic which can de devastate Panama. But the uh, uh, and also, you know, some people think there's some climate meddling going on with the, the, the weather, not climate, but the weather uh, with the rains. I do not know. But that's what Panamanians talk about a lot. They're like, hey, not only was this a dry El Nino, it's just been a lot drier lately, period. And so I don't know if there's any cloud seeding going on to make it rain before the rains actually fill Gatun. I have no idea. But oh, I, I do could, have an idea could, that Gatun Lake is quite dry. I could talk for hours on that. I, I get that kind of stuff all day long. Aliens are controlling the financial system. 
We have, you know, whether manipulation by aliens, harp, that's every rabbit hole you can think of. But look, I, they're doing, yeah. they're spraying something in the atmosphere every day because you can see the trails of it. Uh, and yeah. I, you know, some people call it chemtrails. I call it weather manipulation or climate, you know, climate manipulation, one of the two. But I can tell you that last year, it was the coldest winter on record here in Arizona. And I've, you know, I've been here three, four years and it was my first year here was it was fine. And this year it was well, last year it was it was cold until March, which is highly unusual. So whatever they're doing is is changing the climate. Suffice it to say, right? What the, how Mississippi is pretty so, dry, too. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, again, if you listen to that, that Whitney, yeah. Whitney Webb um, article I sent you or that that video I sent you, Whitney Webb, she talks through they've been building the narrative for um, a cyber attack on water and, and critical infrastructure for four years. And I've been talking about it, the narratives around that for probably the last year and a half. And she's done the deep dive on all the relationships between all these organizations and who's really behind it. And I think she's spot on. So, but the question that I, that I want to get to and, and I'm glad, by the way, you touched on like six questions I had. So thanks for covering all that. Um, my, my folk, my my audience wants to know, you know, what, given the amount of military age males that are coming across the border, how much time do you think the U.S. has before some kind of actions imminent? Because I I say, you know, my my view is you don't disposition this amount of forces for for this period of time unless you have a game plan. Because they're literally bringing, if it's six hundred thousand, let's just say a conservative estimate, six hundred thousand. I think it's a million a month, a million a month coming across in a variety of means, going to all cities across the across the country. And you're right, Monkey Works did a really good job of showing where all those swift flights are going to. My question is, what what's your view of that? Yeah, I, I just want I want to be clear. I, I six hundred thousand is a very safe number. Uh, I I think the number is probably considerably higher, but six hundred. Thousand is very safe. Uh, now, kickoff. As you know, you're a military man. It's all about conditions uh, for some of these things, right? Uh, and there's different ecosystems. You've got Hezbollah and Hamas and all kinds of different players. And then you've got the Chinese Communist Party. They might not all be on the same schedule. You know what I mean? I mean, if we go to war with Iran, Iran might say, well, that's it. You know, everybody start, you know, shooting up the malls and turning off the water and attacking the power stations and hitting the airports and, and that sort of thing, you know, that might be, you know, Iran or just a bunch of mullahs going, Hey, now's the time to do your jihad. Right. And, uh, so they're not necessarily all going to be coordinated as you know, and, uh, and the Chinese communist party, likewise, I don't know. You've got other things going on like Venezuela, who's very close partners with Cuba, uh, Russia, Chinese communist party and Iran. And they're making strong noise about taking Guyana's energy reserves, which I think they'll do. And um, I mean, what's going to stop them? You know, I mean, so you got all kinds of things going on. You've got Venezuelans pouring up. They're the number one people, the, the, the predominant um, people coming across the U.S. A lot of Americans don't realize that a lot of those people that speak Spanish and they look like Venezuelans, they're actually not. They're actually, you know, they also speak Arabic, but they speak Spanish fluently. They got the body language. There's a place in Syria where they speak Spanish. 
A lot of people don't realize yeah. that there was, you know, a lot of uh, migration happened from that part of the world to South America over the generations, and then others bounced back to Syria and Lebanon and that sort of thing. And so now that you know, it's like normal. You got these ecosystems of people, or I call them anthro-insular human islands, which sometimes bounce back to where they came from, or they bounce from one place to the other, like Mennonites, right? Or or uh, Amish and that sort of thing. By the way, there's Amish and Mennonites everywhere I go, everywhere I look. That's interesting. The the other, I think the other thing that's interesting is that so for for years Venezuelans were going to Colombia, to Brazil, to other countries around Venezuela to get out from under the fact that their you know their currency wasn't worth anything, and now they're starting to migrate up here, and I think they're migrating up here because they they have the opportunity to do that. So we are seeing Venezuelans too, um, but you're right. There's I will just go out and say there's a lot of special forces units that speak fluent English. And I, and I can think of Iranian units that drove onto our fobs and killed American soldiers, spoke fluent English, looked just like Blackwater contractors. They had the same gear and they looked just like they were, you know, um, green forces or blue on green. Yeah. Blue forces. And we, we literally let them ride on the fob because we thought that they were friendlies. And I, I see the same happening right now that they're moving all these special operations forces into the U.S. for some kind of kinetic activity. Now, does that mean it's going to be tomorrow? No, but I think we're pretty close to the to the precipice of something happening because they have to do all this before the 24 election because they know they're not going to have – everyone knows that the yeah. election is not free and fair. So well, let's, let's be clear there. about a, a one thing, though. There, there's conditions based things that can happen. And then there's trigger things. There's, for instance, let's say we go to war with Iran. Or, and then, you know, Iran just says, go for it, boys, or they just do it on their own. Uh, likewise with China, right? They might say, okay, everybody do your missions, right? Um, and then there's the condition side, which is just like the electricity goes out for a week and now it's planet of the apes you know what i mean you've got all tens of millions of people in the united states who don't even have a place to live uh and they've been trained to hate us and they're just gonna go for it i mean you know uh a lot of the people that are coming in uh are quite violent a lot of the haitians for instance are famous for it every country i go to whether it's colombia panama uh in history everybody's like oh the haitians they cause so many problems yeah. I mean, so uh, it, some of the some of the cultures are just more violent the, than others. Again, as somebody who spent most of my life out of the United States, the vast majority of my life has been overseas. I'm American, born and raised in America. And ever since, you know, my my family tree is all American all the way back to 1609. Right. when they got shipwrecked on Bermuda coming over. But I spend most of my time overseas and I've learned a lot of things. One is some fish don't mix well in the same aquarium. And we are bringing over people from with tribal uh, uh, affiliations. They're a lot of Americans seem to have this idea that everybody comes in as an individual, not as a tribe. Whereas, you know, you, be, you meet some, let's say, Nigerians in, I don't know, Ireland. I was over in Ireland, I guess, last year, maybe it was this year. And, uh, and, I, and I was talking with this one uh, Nigerian guy. And, uh, and I said, you know, what tribe are you, Igbo or what? And he's like, yeah, Igbo. And I said, when you're, when you're here in Ireland, do you find other 
I know he's not going to be looking for just other Africans. That's like <laughs> they're going to be looking for other people from their tribe. He goes, no, no, we don't. Nigerians don't look for other Nigerians. We find people from our tribe and we all know each other. Right. So basically, you'll you know, whether it's Kurds, you know, Americans will tend to look at Kurds as Kurds and Kurds don't look at Kurds as Kurds. No, They've they got don't. different groups within Kurds that are trying, right? Yes. You know that. And, uh, yes, they do. and, and so, yeah. you know, uh, Masako, Masako Ganaha told me, uh, she's the famous Japanese journalist. She told me these Kurds that are in uh, Japan now. Uh, recently, there was a one, I think one Kurdish guy stabbed another or something along those lines. You know, they, they do that a lot. As much as I love Kurds, they can, they can go completely wild and, and on each other, especially, right? So one, I think one of them stabbed the other. And so, you know, one family goes down to the, to the hospital and then another family or group shows up and they were fighting in the hospital. And the Japanese are like, what are you doing? All these Kurds are fighting Kurds in the Japanese hospital over some yeah. fight that happened somewhere else in town. And I'm like, that's what happens. You're welcoming in people that behave completely, utterly. They'll be fighting at the funeral. They'll be fighting at the weddings. They'll be, you know, they'll take this stuff to the streets. You know, as you know, you remember from your war experience, you know, somebody gets killed. They're waiting for the funeral to hit them again. Right. And then they're yep. going to wait. And yes, then they're going to hit are. the funerals. Yes, they are. They absolutely are. That cracks me up because that's true. That's what they of do. The funeral. They, yeah. That's what they do. Did I lose you? I think I lost him. Yeah, he's he's spot on. The um, so, it, listen. It, let, let me tell. Let me tell you what happened today. Let me tell you what happened today. This is today. This is hours ago, right? And and I think you messaged me and and Alex Jones. Met, so I was listening to that Tucker interview from Alex Jones, just like a kilometer from where I'm at right now in Honduras, and I'm at this protest, right? I'm actually sitting. At this protest, there was actually chairs, believe it or not. It was a it was a some it was some political stuff. And anyway, so I'm actually I shouldn't have been doing this, but I'm listening the Tucker interview with Alex Jones was so great. I'm out actually in action, but I'm listening to the interview, right? And then a fight broke out right behind me. This is today, this is hours ago, right? I'm listening to the Tucker Alex Jones thing, and a fight breaks out right behind me. Multiple people start fighting each other. And it got bloody, and police showed up with their rifles and stuff. Nobody got shot. Nobody died. One lady was bleeding on her front, and a couple other people were busted up a little bit. But, I mean, this is just like a normal day. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm listening to Alex Jones and Tucker have the greatest interview of 2023, and a fight breaks out behind me. <laughs> just like, you know, I mean, this is the life I live downrange. And, and Americans are like, oh, no, they're going to come in and everything's going to be good. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, you don't need to be told that. You're a military officer. You've been downrange a lot. You know exactly what's coming. Oh, yeah, I do. And that's you know, that's the hardest thing to articulate with uh, with my audience is that because, you know, everybody's got and this is something that I've and again, yet another topic I'm glad you brought up. We all have preconceived notions of how things are going to develop and how people should act. And, and we've been spoiled in this country for generations because we haven't really seen the rape culture, the violent crime culture, the extreme religious culture. We've seen it in pieces but not, you know, in total across all of our society where we're watching other 
other groups feud and you know and and kill each other over century old rivalries or century old tribal wars and you know we don't we can't even we can't even get our heads around that and that's something that Americans are going to have to come to grips with that what what you've made up in your head is not going to be real on the ground and and I want to touch on something else that you talked about because again um you think the same way I do in a lot of ways right there's the there's the planned operations there's the setting conditions for planned operations and then there's people that go off the reservation for a catalyst or some kind of an event it, it can be a variety of things that are the catalysts that's that kick things in motion I personally think that it's going to be something that's beyond their control, that's kicked into motion, that the elite can't control, that's going to drive this kinetic. And, you know, you and I both have suffered from the law of unintended consequences in the field once we kicked off an op and it went sideways because we assumed or made an assumption about something that wasn't true and it drove our entire op sideways. That's how, I mean, I can, I can literally you know, name on two hands, how many times that's happened to me in the field just in one month. So I, I firmly believe that at some point, the law of unintended consequences will catch up with this number of people coming in. Cause look, you drive down here in downtown Phoenix. I can tell you that I, I drive down the street and you're right. I see four or five, um, you know, Nigerians, four or five Ethiopians, four or five um, Spanish speakers, all walking together, military age males Uh-oh. walking together, just wandering around. Yep. And it's only a matter of time before something occurs. I mean, if I look at what's going on in, in London for the last two years with all the influx of all of these, you know, Haitians, the uh, the Muslim speakers from, from or the sorry, the, the Arab speakers from Syria, from Yemen and other violent countries and the amount of stabbings, there's a direct correlation between the number of criminals you import and the amount of crime that results from that in the places that they land. They don't, they don't stop doing what they're normally normalized in their life, in our life, just because they're in a different place. It may slow them down, but it won't stop them completely. So I know we're coming up on uh, almost on 40 minutes. So I want to ask you one last question because I, I know this is going to take okay. you some time to answer. But if if you have any advice for Americans on, you know, what to prepare for, how to prepare, what would that be? A, a very serious war. Uh, I mean, it's coming. I don't see any way out of it at this point. Um, and, you know, you know how wars are. They they are predictably unpredictable. Uh, they're only predictable in a couple of ways. One is. Wars are predictably unpredictable and they grow. They just grow and they, they're they filled with, you know, I thought it would go this way, but it really went that way, right? And, uh, and, and it's clearly going to kick off at some point in a, in a, in a very big way. And, and, uh, and, you know, you won't be getting the foods that you're used to getting, um, maybe quite hungry. Uh, and uh, and uh, it may have no electricity. And I mean, it's it's very probable, I would say at this point, not just possible, but probable that there will actually end up being famines in parts of the United States. Um, where will those be? I do not know. But certainly in the main metropolitan areas like New York, 
uh, if you're, you know, a left-wing person living up there in a small apartment and you think the government's going to take care of you, you're in trouble. You're in real, real trouble. A lot of the problems that we have that have, we've gotten this far with the pod people thinking, right? And, and, the, and the liberal mindset that is so removed from reality. But the pod people tend to be very removed from reality as well. I've noticed that. You've probably noticed it as well. They tend to view the world in some way. I don't know how they got their views, but it's certainly not by going around the actual world and living, going out in these villages. Or, or today I'm in a village and a fight breaks out right behind me while I'm listening to Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones and Honduras. <laughs> Can't even make up that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's just the normal life around these parts, right? Violence is normal. Um, you know, a lot of people, again, when we see, for instance, rapes happen in the United States, that's considered like more or less a one-off criminal activity. Of course, they happen every day, but they're not that common on the actual scale of things. Uh, you know, on the you know, rapes per thousand would not be that common in the United States still in most places. But in some of these cultures, hey, if they catch you alone, it's on. You know, that's, that's just it. And that means when men, women and children, you know, uh, a lot of Afghans rape men all the time. They'll rape them in a heartbeat. And then in fact, they would, uh, Taliban would capture men and uh, shave their heads because that was considered, uh, you know, demeaning. And, uh, and they, first of all, they'd, you know, beat the password out of their phone, which would take all of five seconds. And, and uh, so now they've got all your contacts. And shave their head, tie them to a tree, rape them, make video with their own camera on their phone, and send it to all their contacts. They do that all the time. That's like daily fun for those guys. And it's not even considered homosexual as long as they're the one doing the raping. It's considered homosexual if you get raped, but not if you're the one doing the raping. That's what a lot of these cultures, the Americans have no idea what's coming. You know, and they seem to have this, a lot of them seem to have this idea that if I treat a, 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 a crocodile, like a puppy, the crocodile will be a puppy. And it's like, nope, it'll just grow up and eat you and your puppy. And, uh, and that's what's, that's what's going to happen. And the people are coming over in such sufficient numbers that they will, they have their own like Somaliland up in, uh, in Michigan and that sort of thing. So they don't have, they, they have a sufficient critical mass that they, they have literally brought in lock, stock and barrel their old culture. Right. Anthroinsulus, again, human islands. There's a lot of those and they're just growing in size. Look at the, look at Europe. I often go over to Europe and and take a look around. I'm telling you, that place is it's going to get there's going to be they're going to be knee deep in blood before this is over. I don't I don't disagree with any of that, I think. And by the way, I appreciate you saying it that way, because I you know, it's one thing for me to say it because I see the same thing. I see enclaves of of specific nationalities throughout the u.s that are there by design and this started way back under obama he he created west virginia enclaves in west virginia enclaves in in minnesota enclaves in in wisconsin and it was all for this purpose to create strong points for lack of a better word and what you're the way i see it developing is you're going to see things devolve to the local level where you're going to have local communities of Americans and probably a lot of Spanish speakers that have emigrated to the U.S. and and tried to naturalize as American citizens long before all this migration happened, they're going to be banding together, form communities, and they're going to push all these foreigners out 
and a lot of these foreigners, you know, Matt, Matt Bracken said it the best. It's the perfect storm. Because once you turn off the yeah. funding for all these these nationals that have come in, they're going to go apeshit in your communities, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And I've been seeing that for a long time. And 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 it, you know when I first said it, people thought I was high. It's like I I said almost two years ago, an Army Times article came out where a general officer said we need illegal immigrants in uniform because they're the only ones that are willing to go and and do the dirty work. Which you know now you hear Lloyd Austin talking about, and Dick Durbin just said it. Um, three days ago that we need to invite more foreign nationals into the military. That's been the plan all along. Kill the recruiting numbers, decimate the force. Oh, they're, they're yeah. open about it. Yeah, they're, they're totally They're open. open about it. They don't hide it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't hide it. Uh, and, and look at, Go ahead. Yeah, look at CQ Brown, the, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. That guy's open Black Lives Matter. He's a super racist. You know, as I was spent so many years with the military either in the military or going to war with them. i never met any dumb american general right but now that's changed there are some american generals who are straight up stupid and that would be for instance cq brown the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff at best i mean he, he's as, as an average guy i would say he's actually pretty smart but as somebody you whom expect a brilliant man you know what i mean and he is far from that he's like an average guy but super racist and and he wears it on a sleeve he doesn't like white people he's very clear about it uh, well i'm sure austin shows him wisely because austin's just as miserable of a person as he is and austin's just i would say austin's just as stupid I he mean, is I, I flamed him today on on twitter because he he, he Austin's in, dumber than bricks. And oh God, he was a miserable. I worked with him in the desert. He was fucking miserable then. And he's he was a miserable person then. And I've <laughs> trust me, I met some dumb general officers where literally I looked over at, you know, other four stars and went, How did that guy get promoted? And you know, they all shook my shook their heads <laughs> and looked at me like, we don't know, but you know, he must not have used teeth on the upside, which whatever he was doing, he did the right things to get the yeah. replaces and Anyway, the long story short, they're they're trying to precipitate this, and I think the great you we've you've basically described the great replacement. That's that's the new phrase for it now is great replacement, and I don't think it's going to work out for them. I can't tell you why I think that, but it's not going to work out for them. Every fiber in my being. I I do says, think Austin and Millie will. I think Austin and Millie will absolutely try to genocide white people. They wear it on their sleeve. Like Millie, I think you are not Millie, but um, uh, Austin and CQ Brown. But but as you you know, as you know, uh, a CQ Brown or I'm sorry, um, Austin just threatened what maybe 48 hours ago that if he doesn't get the money for Ukraine, he'll just send our troops over to fight Russians. Yeah, that's not that's not illegal at all under the Constitution. The sect up doesn't clear war. That's called an unlawful general order. But yeah, uh, you know, given the doesn't mean he won't do it though. It doesn't no, mean he won't do it. Absolutely. And but that's on the general officers in the field to say no, we're not going to do this. And I'd like to see they'll do it. They'll do it. I know nobody has stood up. They not a single one of those generals or admirals, not a single flag officer has stood up to the border. Not a single one. I'm super glad you said that because I've been the only one saying that. I was just on twenty on November seventh of twenty twenty. I did a sit rep. And I was just incensed, incensed 
because I watched the criminality happen here in Arizona, and I literally, I, I literally got online. It was like, where, where is the military? Half of these people in D.C. should have been arrested. And then I did another one just as inflammatory on January 6th and said, where is the military? They should have swooped in there with the 82nd Airborne and busted heads in D.C. when this went down and, and froze everything and literally took a pause across the nation and deployed guard, reserve, whatever across the nation and got to the bottom of the not just the election, but the movement of ballots chain of custody, all those things. The military should have stepped in then and done it. And this is not the Insurrection Act. This is the military should have stepped in and and righted the ship. But there was not one general officer that even spoke out. And I literally have talked to probably 10 or 15 GOs in the last three years. None of them will go on camera. None of them will talk in public. None of them will state a position on anything. In fact, I talked to one, which I worked for for a number of years. He was a really, really good guy. Very incredibly smart dude. And he was he was the six. He was the army six. And so he's Kamo, right? Knows what he's doing. Literally said, I said, something needs to be done about this clown in the White House. And he said, that problem will sort itself out. I'm like, how's that supposed to work? And he didn't have an answer for it. Literally, they all think that this problem will solve itself with elections. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because you know as well as I do, we're well, we are well past the culmination point of solving this through legal means. And I'm with you. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I, I'm not trying to wake people up anymore. I'm literally just trying to get people prepared for what's coming. And don't assume that what you think is going to happen it's going to happen. And most importantly, be situationally aware to everything around you. Don't take anything for granted because yeah. the cultures that are I'm coming the same. in. I'm beyond that. Yeah, yeah. They will kill you for things that you don't even think are important. And that's what's, that's what's imported into our country right now. And, you know, I've been called an anti-Semite. I've been called a racist. Fine. The shoe fits. That's what it is. Because I, I, you know, another one that I talked about this week, which I think you touched on, it's we a have a terrible signal. I don't know if you're still on. I am. I, I'm still here. Okay. Anyway, I'm still here. Okay. It's, I will say that, you know, this, this earlier this week, I was on a conversation with a couple of um, full birds, and they asked me about Vivek and Nikki Haley. And I said, they're two Indians. The PM of the, of the UK, Indian. The PM of, of Scotland, Indian. The PM of Ireland, Indian. What are they all trying to do? They're trying to move everybody to this new world order. Do you think Do you think that I think that either one of these, Nikki Haley's dumb as a sack of hammers, but Vivek's got a really good crew of PR people around him and coaches that are coaching him, but he's no different than any of the rest of them. There's a reason why you're seeing a pattern in all these world leaders. There's a reason why all the tech giants have switched all of their leadership to a specific race of person. That's not a racist statement. That's a, tr that's a fact. Microsoft, right. Nadal, Indian, Sanjay Pillai, Google, Indian. And what are they both doing? Censoring Americans without, with impunity. So you, if you look for the trends and it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's a duck. And I'm telling you that there's a plan behind all of this. And I think the thing that, that you called out, which I'm again, I'm glad you called this out, is the fact that 
don't be surprised if you have these enclaves of specific nationalities that literally you leave alone until you can muster enough forces to go in there and throw them out. Because that's really how it's going to go. So I, I'm glad you uh, said it's, it. it's going to be a very it's going to be a very bloody war. It's going to be extremely bloody. And it's going to be very complex uh, because there's so many. Nobody even knows how many have just come in uh, from which countries. I mean, actually, if you have the right uh, AI or just, you know, the, the, the right uh, technology, you could take an estimate from phones and that sort of thing. And you could know where a lot of them are at. And I mean, as you know, from the, a lot of the normal like NSA type uh, and just normal, that sort of intelligence you actually could take a fair guess, you know, Facebook and all the, all the uh, social media could, you know, all vote in with their data. Um, but at, for the normal person on the street, it's going to be very difficult to tell who's who in the zoo and where they are, what languages they're communicating in and that sort of thing. Yeah. And they're going to go native as soon as they get into an enclave and then uh, it'll be just like yeah. little Somalia in, uh, in Minnesota. I mean, Ilan Omar was was installed by cheating and yeah. or, uh, by um, ballot harvesting. That, that's going to happen everywhere. That's what they're trying to architect everywhere. So anyway, any any last we've gone all over the place as usual. That's how it goes. When I get, yeah, yeah. get online with you. Any last comments or feedback for the audience? Because I know your, your audience and my audience are both pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, again, like you mentioned earlier, I'm I'm pretty much done with trying to wake people up. Except young people, uh, they're worth the time to invest in, and they haven't had they don't have the tools yet to maybe see the things that we see. So I will invest time in trying to wake up young people. But the people that are like in their 40s and 50s and so on, if they don't see it yet, I'm sorry, you're just not getting on the boat. You know what I mean? We don't have time. There's only so much, you know, there's only so much effort that you can put into that before your effort is better spent on other things like preparations and, uh, and again, working on uh, getting the young people awake, force multiplying with young people. Today, I, you know, I spent time with, you know, helping Anthony Rubin get on, you know, Alex Jones and, and Mike Adams, and you should have him on as well. He's 26 years old. He's super smart. He sees what's going on, and he's been going down. Well, he just got kidnapped three weeks ago by golf cartel. But I mean, you know, but he and he's still in the field. I mean, this is the kind of young people that are definitely worth our time to invest in. I've taken him to the Darien Gap and all the way across the southern border, and now he's teaching other young people. So I mean, there are a lot of young people that are absolutely worth every minute of our time. But again, the ones who are more our age, if they don't see it yet, I'm like, hey, go get your boost. You know, yeah, I, I uh, I'll reach out to him, especially um, in the next week or two, and have him on because I think he's, uh, he, you know, he did an article a few weeks back on child trafficking that uh, I thought was spot on. Finally, somebody else is starting to say it that has an audience, and I've been talking about child trafficking for years. Everybody thinks I'm nuts, but it's true. I mean, it's it's a lot bigger than I ever thought. Oh, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't realize how huge it is until the last couple of years. And especially the last year, I'm like, man, this is just like oil. The more you, every time you look, you find more. And with child trafficking, it is absolutely massive. I don't even know how, how big it is, but the United States government is clearly deeply involved. For instance, <laughs> I 
Now that is the CIA right there, cutting him off as soon as he gets to it. That is the story of my life with these. It's a warehouse for children. That's funny. You stop as soon as you said it's the U.S. government is big in this. Boom, you were gone. <laughs> Figures. So I was like, yeah, that's totally the CIA. I can tell you, I did a, I, I don't know if I told you this story, but I did told the story of one of my sit reps that I was pulled aside um, in 2009, 2008 to go do a staff study on how bad it was and what we could do about it as a military. And I was going to, you know, three months doing collect all this information, working with Border Patrol, working with the agencies, working with um, task forces within specific regions and states and cities. And I can tell you, there were people on the task forces that were compromised, that other people on the task force knew were compromised. Right. And they were feeding them disinformation and trying to obfuscate what they were doing so those people couldn't report out. It li This literally affects every strata in our society down to the city level. Even church ministers are, are implicated in this. That's how bad it is. That's how pervasive it is. And it's been going on for 60, 70, 80 years. I can tell you just in Seattle that the elite in Seattle are addicted to sex with children, addicted to it. It's the biggest commodity. It's the biggest cash and carrying business in, in that state, bar none. And it was, it was literally yeah. the most well-known secret among all the elite up there. And I asked a couple of friends that were on the Seattle police force and they're like, we, we can't touch it. <clears throat> I go, why not? Cause we'll be dead in 24 hours. Everybody that's anybody here is doing it. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a very telling statement. And even if it's one tenth of that, it's still so right. pervasive that where do you start? You literally, you literally have to clean up the smallest community and work your way out and, and eventually get to the rest of the planet. That's a monumental job. It's going to take the rest of our rest of my lifetime to do it. So, but we yeah. got to try right now before we get to that. So, anyway, yet another topic that you and I can talk about at length. But uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you jumping on, man. I know we're right at almost an hour, and I, I told you I wouldn't keep you more than forty-five minutes. That's how this <laughs> goes. Right. That's great. So, yeah, we'll do this again and, uh, in a couple of weeks. I I said to you earlier before we started recording. That about every two weeks is is about reasonable given your schedule and just so folks understand michael's schedule he's working 20 hours a day in the fight every single day and he's all over central america he's talking to national level leaders he's talking to, to province level leaders that are seeking him out now so the word is getting out the the, the thing that you can do to help him out is he's on x follow him on twitter Reshare. He, re, he posts. He's a machine on Twitter. Repost his stuff on Twitter because everything he's doing is signal. Everything. So with that, my friend, God bless, and I appreciate it. One team, one fight.